You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. I just wanted to get a shot of on the video of Ryan sitting down in the shot. So he's like, dude, I'm not ready. Dude, dude, <laughs> dude, back it up, man. Ah, Start over. Shit. Boy, hey, thanks. This is a special episode. We weren't we were going to take two weeks off, but I uh, figured, you know, I don't want to lose an audience. <laughs> and uh, I love this uh, this guest. If you haven't seen Shawshank Redemption and millions of other things. In fact, he was just in that show, uh, The Crown on netflix he played yeah uh, he was lbj lbj yeah yeah he was great he's great uh clancy brown great and i got to work with him on the great brain robbery in the justice league unlimited years ago we switched brains he was lex luther ironically mm -hmm. and uh i was the flash of course and uh, it was fun if you don't know anything about that but you like clancy brown well you're here so you're gonna hopefully listen uh i hope you guys have a brilliant freaking new year and i just want to say thank you to everybody ryan bryce all my lovely patrons and everybody who listens to the show, uh, you know, it's just it, the show is so important to me now. It's become a big part of my life just with, uh, you know, talking about real stuff. And I hope that, you know, more people find it. And I hope that you guys stick around. And uh, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for for sticking around and listening to episodes that for, with guests that you don't even know. And, and just because you might learn something, we all learn something. Ryan, what are the handles for Inside of You Podcast? They are at Inside of You Pod on Twitter, at Inside of You Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, and uh, YouTube.com slash Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. YouTube.com slash Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Yes. That is awesome. Ryan edits the episodes so you can watch them. If you don't watch them, you should. And if you're watching, listen, Ooh, go listen. listen. <laughs> listen. <laughs> and uh, I, I can't say it enough, but if when you write reviews, if you really like an episode and it means something, you're like, you know, that was really good. You could take that minute to just write a review and also email your friends and say, please subscribe. Uh, it means the world and it really helps, believe it or not. Um, it does. And I want to thank Westwood One for all their lovely support, all the ladies. It's mo I work with all ladies at Westwood One. Kelly and Teresa and Agnes and Kat and Katrin. Katrin. Um, and it's just a great group of, of people. And I like having all women in my life because they're really smart. They know what they're doing. And you just kind of let them do it. You just, I defer to you, you know, women. But uh, again, thank you to everyone and all the patrons out there who have really, the reason why the show is still on its feet in the beginning. I mean, especially now, tough times and a tough year for everybody, but um, they they stuck with me and they um, are so supportive. And uh, even when I send merch boxes to them and uh, I signed to the wrong person Oops. and I have to, they're understanding. Very seldom do I get a, an email at hello at inside of you podcast.com. Hmm. Hello at inside of you podcast.com. That's right. Mm -hmm. Do I get a, you sign the wrong name. It's usually like, Hey, this is from my dad for his birthday and his name's not Alicia. So <laughs> I'm like, yeah, my bad, bro. My mind just goes, it's going South, man. Unless, unless dad realizes he's been Alicia the whole time. There you he digs go. deep. That's why I have Ryan here, folks. Also, thank you, everybody, for coming to our Stage It. It was our biggest Stage It show ever. If you don't know Stage It, stageit.com, S-T-A-G-E-I-T.com. We, we do live shows uh, every last uh, Saturday of the month. Rob Danson and I were in a band. It's called Sunspin. It's just the two of us. Just the two of us. We had the most biggest turnout, and it was the day after Christmas. I thought no one was going to show up. And thanks to all our followers and everything, it was, you know, we've been able to make this album and it's coming out and the website's coming out soon. We just got the logo. We did a photo shoot, socially distanced. And uh, we have, we're just really pumped. It's in the mixing stage now. 
then it's mastered and we should uh, start releasing songs on iTunes. We'll have a pre-order for CDs. We're going to uh, release a song probably every week once it comes out. And then the last week, two, sh two songs. And we're going to release it that way on iTunes and then uh, have the album. We've got amazing merch. When the merch comes out, we've got like this collection lunchbox. So it's a lunchbox, but includes all the merch. But it's a sunspin. It's black with mm. yellow logo sunspin. It's badass. So we're we're pumped. Look, I, I don't expect to be a rock star or anything like that, but I think we made some great music, and I think you're going to like it, and I hope you share it with all your friends. Also, the Inside of You online store, if you go to, it's on Shopify, but you go Inside of You online store, uh, I'm going to put another discount code, 20% off for the uh, for this coming uh, of a new year here that's going to happen soon. And uh, we got some great stuff, and I just put on, like, uh, put up some, uh, Lex Luthor pictures and Sorority Boys pictures and uh, Justice League pictures and along with uh, tumblers and hats and and towels and a bunch of stuff. So there's great merch and I'm going to try and clear it out to get new merch for the next year. So go to Inside of You online store um, and then uh, the discount code will be Rosenbaum loves you twenty. Rosenbaum loves you twenty. Y A. All right, let's. Uh, Let's get into this wonderful guest. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Ryan. Happy New Year. And uh, I can't wait to hold you. We were just talking about taco night. I was starting taco nights here at my house. And Ryan's like, oh, I just got, saw an old email in March when you had you canceled the last. It was sad. It was so yeah. sad. I was just searching through my email and then. Oh, God. Because it feels like it was years ago. I just it can't. Yeah, it does feel like years ago. I can't wait to have organized softball with my friends and oh, taco nights. Will you come play softball with us? Of course. Yeah, you play. Yeah. You're good. I'm very good. Yeah. Wow. That was... I, I, got, I got a rec league MVP on my shelf somewhere. Yeah. All right. Let's get inside of a guy that I've worked with who's a legend. You'll, you'll if, you, if you don't know him, he's got some great stories. He thought he was going to be boring. And I, 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 I love you, Clance, and you're not boring ever. You're a genius. And uh, it was an honor to uh, interview you. Let's get inside of Clancy Brown. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You. Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. You're so, so technologically you advanced. You're really advanced in technology, Clancy. No, look at you. You're like sitting behind the mic and uh, got the camera and everything. You got your you got your barca lounger there. It looks like. Yeah, I like to be comfortable. I'm, I'm naked from the waist down. I uh, yeah. That that's how I roll. I gotta roll. You you look comfortable. No, look because I could relate in a way that you know when you play a villain or you're you play some bad characters. People, are like, oh, he's great. Let's and they start casting as the bad guy, right? We all we get typecast. I've been typecast as either the asshole or the killer or the transvestite for a while. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but is is there? I mean, obviously, I, I go. I bet you go through stages, right? Because you're a seasoned actor. You've been doing this a long time. Was there a time where you're like, no, fuck that. I'm not doing the bad guy anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. Or did you kind of, was there a point you just said, I just want to work. I love working. What kind of attitude you have? Well, I don't know. I've always loved working, but you know, it's a, you know, you kind of want to do stuff that you find interesting. So when you do a prison guard and they keep asking you to do prison guards, it's like, come on, you know, I don't want to do a prison guard. <laughs> <laughs> But that's, yeah. you know, that's what they offer you. So if, you know, if you need to make the dough, you go to the prison guard. If you don't need to make the dough and you don't mind auditioning, then you'll, you know, you audition for something else, audition for the preacher. And then they, 
then they decide that you're too, uh, then they decide you're a preacher forever. That's happened a few times. Let me turn that off. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Didn't you ever feel like when your agent's like, Hey, they got this role. Listen, just hear me out. Clance. This is a prison guard. You're like, don't you ever want to say there, there's not going to be a prison guard or a prison guard movie or a prison movie better than the one I did. No one's going to be, but nothing's better. Why would they want me as a prison guard in a movie that will never be as good as Shawshank Redemption? It, who knows though, right? I mean, if it's a good part and it's a good script, that was such a great script. It was like, I, you know, everybody was like, oh, we'll do anything in it. And so it's such a good script that Shawshank, but you know, you, you never know. You, you read a good script and you fall in love with the, with the script you fall in love with the thing and then you see you know maybe who's doing it and yeah how expert they are and stuff like that so you you're know, logical clancy you you're logical <laughs> logical i you know i you, know, you try not to repeat yourself and you try not to try, try not to jump to any conclusions right yeah well look I, and then if you need if you need to if you're lucky enough you you go sign up for to, to do the thing you did before because you know you need to pay the kids tuition or your mortgage mm. or whatever that's right. That's right. That's true. You don't think of those things till later and you're like, you know, I could do this and it's easy and I've done this before. I know what they want. I'll go in. I'll do a good job. I'll try my best. I'll make some money and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, basically. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. So, well, you jumped into Shawshank because of the prison thing, but I was just, I rewatched it because I had to, because it's been a couple of years and it's one of the best movies ever made, period. I mean, is that something that they offered you or did you had to read for that? Oh, I read for it. Yeah. Yeah. I read for it. It was one of the worst auditions I ever had um, with Frank and the casting director. And um, casting director was uh, a young lady and she was dressed in a nice frilly floral blouse and she smelled good and she was done up and, and I had to scream at her. Uh, you know, you'll shit when I say you shit, and you'll piss when I say you piss. You got that, you maggot dick mother. I mean, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I just, I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't get it out. And I apologized to, to Frank at the end of it. I said, I'm, I'm sorry. I, you, you smell too good. I can't, I can't get this out. You know, I can't yell at you this way. You're, you're a nice young lady. I can't. I just, I couldn't do it. So I left there thinking, I'm never gonna be in this movie. It's too bad. It's such a good script, and I'll never be. In so what movie. happened? So they called up and they offered it to me. They said, Yeah, no, nah, you'll be all right. You'll be good. It's a, I mean, and on the flight out, I mean, I was convinced they had made a mistake, and they, they thought I was somebody else. And I, you know, <laughs> I, they shot it in Mansfield, Ohio. So we're flying into Columbus or wherever we're flying into, which is a, which is a flight I've taken before because that's where I'm from, and. I'm sitting there, and uh, back in the day when they flew you first class, I'm sitting there in first class, and I see all these actors roll in, you know, all these really good actors, Dave Proval and uh, Joe Ranio and, uh, and uh, uh, you know, just everybody that's there, Gunton, and and uh, and I see, uh, I see uh, Bill Sadler, and I'm like, Oh damn! That's that's who they think I am. They think I'm Bill Sadler, and he's going to be playing my role. And so I just really, the whole flight, I was just like in the window seat, 
it's like, this is going to be so embarrassing when I get there and they tell me that they're going to send me home. I was absolutely convinced. Hang on. I, I the, you're on this whole three, four, five hour flight. This, you swear to God, this is yeah. what you're thinking. You're thinking they're not, yeah. they got the wrong guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, not until we sat down and we read this, we had a read through. I was convinced. I mean, you know, they had Mark Ralston and, and Sadler. And, and I, I mean, they had like all these great actors. Brian Libby and, and, and I mean, you know, I'm trying to come up with everybody's name There's now, but lot. you know, they, they're all guys that I recognize and they're all character actors and they're all terrific. And I'm sitting there going, I'm, I'm not going to, this is not who they think I'm somebody else. Are you intimidated? I wouldn't say I was intimidated. I knew I gave a bad audition. <laughs> I've had those. The worst case scenario is people always say, I want offers. I like offers. But when you get an offer and then you go in and then they're like, no, that's not what we want. But if you audition for something and they like what you did, then you do that most of the time. Right. So you go in right. there and you do something that you're like, well, fuck, I barely even got anything out. I don't even know why I'm here. Yeah. And then yeah. You, and then you yeah. get there and then like what's what's your first day like? What's your first day as a, an actor going I shouldn't even be here? No, it was we went up for a rehearsal back in the back that's back when they <laughs> rehearsed rehearse, right? So <laughs> we so we sat down and we had a read through and there's Morgan and Tim and you know all the guys and Gunton and whatnot. And we have the read through and it says, you know, on your little thing it says Clancy Brown Captain Hadley. So that's like when the first time I thought, okay, they, they, that's when I sit down, they'll realize that they think somebody else is Clancy Brown, you know, <laughs> I yeah, mean, yeah. not until it's not until I, we started reading it and nobody seemed to blink an eye. And I, you know, I mean, it, was, it was the most intense imposter syndrome I've ever had was that. Jesus. And then and then once we started going, it was fine. You know, it was okay. I mean, I watched that scene on the rooftop. Like, it, it's you're you're so intense that even years later, I've seen this movie. Everyone's seen it, and then you watch it again. I really think you're going to throw Tim Robbins off the roof. I really feel like you're losing your shit. But it's it's this contained fucking just pure innate disdain for this man or any of these people around you. And I'm like, it's such a powerful character, and you're thinking. They're, oh my god prison's really hard I, I bet they were like this and prison sucks yeah prison i mean sucks god i mean and he's stupid he's a stupid stupid man I mean, he's just such a dumb man it's like that's those are the people that you're afraid of most the oh people yeah in authority that are so deeply ignorant that Isn't... they do stuff like throw people off roofs i mean they're just what is wrong with that guy? Isn't that the truth, though? <laughs> well, there are people like that uh, around us that they're just, you're like, wow, they just don't see what we see. And, and, and you hate to think, well, what I say is right. But then you're saying, well, I, I, this, just, this is just the right way, though. I, am I missing something here? How does yeah. this guy think the opposite of what I think so far? But, I, you know, that's, that's the way it is. You know what pisses me off is you've played Lex Luthor longer than any other Lex Luthor, including me. Do you know that? That's an accident. <laughs> But no, no, no. You you played him more consistently. I'll bet you actually have more hours of playing Lex Luthor. I mean, if we actually <laughs> added up the time. What about Cryer? How many episodes did he do? Cryer, I think he's only he's in the second season. Oh, okay. So he's well, way behind. He's no, got he's got time. No, you win. You we we all know who who Lex Luthor is. No, 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 no. People really. I'm <laughs> you telling you, you have a following, man. You have a following, and people love it's you. It's a cartoon. 
but it doesn't matter. I've said that before and people are insulted when I say, well, it's anim-, you know, well, it's animation when I do this. No, 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 no. That role means in, as much as live action to m- most well, m- many people. I, I understand that. Yeah, yeah. I understand that because I understand that because that's sort of the world that that Superman was created in. Right. But but the live action adaptations they're hard to do. And Smallville was the best of them. Oh, come Smallville, on. Yeah, no, no, Smallville was definitely the best of them. Uh, you know, Lois and Clark was kind of fun for for a minute, you know, because everybody was young and good looking. But it, you know, it became a soap opera and nobody really cared after a while. But Smallville, Smallville was like the right show at the right time, really realized real well. I, I think Smallville is just kind of genius. I didn't even know you watched it. Yeah, I saw a couple of episodes, sure. Well, not really, I'm not really the demo for it, <laughs> but, you know. You're not that much older than I am. How old are you? I'm old. I'm 61. 60, what is it? 20, yeah, 20. 20, I'm 61. That's not old. 59. How many times have you thought to yourself, Clancy, I'm old? And then you go, what was I thinking 10 years ago? I wasn't old. No, dude. But with this COVID thing, I've like crossed into it, into the, into the at risk demo. I don't feel at risk. Well, why are you at risk? Do you have pre-existing? No, no. Because I'm 60, 60 plus, right? And that's what they say, 60 plus. But you feel healthy. You look good. Thank you. So do you, my man. Well. Thanks, man. I got this thing. If you notice this big thing on my face, it's not a fight. I'm not that tough, but uh, it was just a little pre-cancer thing they burned off. No big deal. I always feel like I need to say, you know, when you have something on your face, you got to go, oh, this is that. Or if it, oh, Really? Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? You had a little skin cancer? Yeah. Thing? Have you ever dealt with any of that stuff? No, not yet. Knock on wood. Knock on, you got wood around you? Knock on wood. It's, it's, us, it's the fate of us fair-haired people. It's fair. Yeah. Fair people. Although I've been bitching at my dad for, I don't know how many years, he's 68 and uh, he's, you know, balding and he just has moles and he never wears sun protection and he bathes in the Oof. sun and he's never had skin cancer, knock on wood, anything. And I'm like, I'm always telling him. And then who gets skin cancer? This, this right. asshole. Where does he live? He lives in New York. Well, he just got a place in the Caribbean. He got this little apartment. Then he's going to be in danger. He's got to use, he's got to use sunscreen down there man because it's it's about being exposed to the sun in new york you know he's walking around the buildings there's no sun in new york that's true that's very true you know what amazes me it's hollywood and you look at all the divorces and all the shit and i look and i'm like you're married to the same woman since 90 freaking three yeah i'm lazy (laughs) is that what it is lazy yeah i'm just so I'm just a lazy old man. Uh, yeah, I actually, I actually got, we actually got married um, the day, or yeah, the day after, I guess. Well, the day after, no, it must not have been the day after, but the day after we shot that um, the roof scene in uh, Shawshank, I took off and went to Chicago and then got married the next day and then brought my bride back and to, uh, to Mansfield, Ohio, for the honeymoon and to finish filming. <laughs> and by the way, were you? Did you? Are you one of those actors who kind of gets into the role where you were? You're sort of like an asshole off camera until the role's over. Or are you method? No, I don't think so. I mean, maybe I am. <laughs> I'm gonna ask your wife. Think, I'm interviewing your wife so. you after this. My wife. Yeah. No. Does she read lines with you ever? Uh, no, I, I do wrangle my kids sometimes to do that. 
Really? But not my wife, yeah. Well, who ran lines with you for like like a Shawshank movie or Highlander or any of these movies? Uh, well, let's see. We at uh, Shawshank, uh, I rented a house with Larry Brandenburg, who played Skeet, and he's uh, we rented this uh, farmhouse. Um, he's from uh, rural Minnesota, rural Minnesota, and I'm from rural Ohio, so we were quite comfortable there in in uh, Mansfield, outside Mansfield. We rented a house outside Loudonville. And so we, you know, we were just hanging out watching uh, satellite TV when satellite TV went with a big freaking satellite, oh, and yeah. a big box and all that stuff on your desk. So we, you know, we, we were just hanging out right there. And then I brought my bride back and he FO'd for, for a week or so. <laughs> so and, you can make uh, sweet, hot, newly married love. That's right, baby. <laughs> <laughs> the days when you used to make love. In the cornfields, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. You know. Hey, are you one of the are you one of those guys that the director wants you to just go bigger and bigger and bigger, or they have to bring you down? Depends. I appreciate that direction. Like, go bigger, bring it down. You know, whatever. Uh, the story I tell of Shawshank is that uh, Frank Frank gave me one of my favorite directions of all time, which. Uh, it, we had we had a group of guys there that were that were really uh, better than their their roles you know any one of those guys could have been uh should have been leading their own tv show they're they're all very good but because of the script was so good we all wanted to do it so so we were always thinking up stuff to to steal screen time with right we were always thinking up stuff to fill out our characters and to to you know make more noise for ourselves on camera and uh, I was no exception. And I, there was one shot where I'm walking across the yard and I decided, okay, my guy, is his brain is rotting because he's so dumb and, uh, and he's, he's, he's getting his Tourette's. And so he just starts swearing at him for no reason. And so I'm walking across the thing and I'm just swearing to myself. And, and yeah, I can't even remember what I made up, but I made up some silly stuff that just had no no uh, relation to anything just total non sequiturs and i'm walking across there and we're rolling and you know it's a big shot that they're setting up and and you know big cranes and lots of extras and shit and i'm doing it and i and we rehearse it one time we rehearse it a couple times and i'm working out what i'm gonna say and finally, finally we roll and i do it and then you know everything stops and they say, "Hey, Clance, just a second. Uh, Frank's going to come down and give you some notes." And Frank like climbs off the top of the roof and top of the you know, off the crane, and he comes down. He puts his arm around me and walks down. He's got his little cigarette, walking along, and he says, "You know that thing that you're doing that 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 uh, that that swearing, that sort of Tourette'sy thing that you're doing as you're walking." I said, "Yeah, man. How about that? Huh? It's pretty good, right? Good little action. I think the character is okay." He says, "No, no, no. Don't do that. It looks stupid." <laughs> so he couldn't tell you that he couldn't tell you that from afar and say hey hey just don't no, talk yeah but how great that he didn't embarrass me that way right i That's mean you true. know he like climbed down and he put his arm around me and he said don't do that it really looks stupid <laughs> so, <laughs> just, I, I love you frank you oh can direct me doing anything who was the most fun working with on that on that project i mean everybody around you it seemed like everybody was great oh, we all had fun yeah that 
was when, uh, either when we, I guess when we first started, when was it? It was, uh, we worked from, we worked from, was it Labor Day? No, it wasn't Labor Day. We worked until Labor Day. We worked like from July 4th to Labor Day. And it's, it, anyway, there was basketball playoffs going on. And it was during, um, so what, what, 93 or something. Was that the and, Knicks? Uh, yeah, Knicks and Bulls were playing. So you had a bunch of guys from Chicago and you had a bunch of guys from New York uh, in the cast. Right. And And so we'd all go down to, you know, the local... Uh, you know, Buffalo Wild Wings or whatever they had there. And we'd watch the game, and uh, and that was our social life. So, but you know, we were all having fun. We were all figuring out. There was a couple of restaurants in Mansfield, Ohio. We all got a kick out of the fact that it was it was voted in one of these magazines as one of the worst cities in the United States because <laughs> of the poverty and the crime and stuff. But we never really experienced that. They were all really great to us. And, yeah. How how tall are you? Six three. How tall are you? I'm six on the dot. You know, okay, a lot of people so will say you're that. You're a shorter Lex Luthor. I'm a shorter Lex Luthor, for sure. <laughs> Do you think people, since you're like a big guy, you look intimidating, you look like you can kick someone's ass, maybe you probably can. Do you think people people at a young age, were you always tall? Did you get picked on at a young age, or did you get it to a certain age where people started messing with you because you were bigger or what would you go through as a, as a kid? Yeah, a little bit of everything. I didn't really get into my body until I was in high school and college. You know, I guess I got a little bit of, a little bit of every reaction. Were you popular? Popular? Were you popular? Uh, was I popular? Popular? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I never perceived it that way. Although I ran into a guy who was a couple years behind me in high school and his daughter, was he was also looking for a place to send his daughter to high school, and so we, you know, renewed our acquaintance. When I knew him, he was kind of small, kind of a, you know, maybe a hundred pounds soaking wet, uh, and uh, and I was a senior in high school. And uh, when I met him, he was bigger than me. He was six five. He was you know two, whatever hundred pounds, and smart as a whip, like he always was. And, uh, you know, he said, oh, you were the dude in high school. You know, you were the, you were the one everybody looked up to. And I never perceived that when I, when I was in high school. Really? You never saw that in yourself? Nah, nah, hell no. Well, now, was it because you were humble or were you, were you a, a nervous kid? Were you an anxious kid? Anything like that? No, I wouldn't say necessarily. I mean, kind of dumb. Come on, you're not <laughs> kind of a, dumb. Kind of a dumb kid. I, I, see, I don't believe that. See, that's what I always said about myself, and I'm stopping. You know, I try to stop myself from saying that. But I was like, yeah, I wasn't very smart. My dad, you know, he was always really smart, and I think he was just like, shit, I got a dumb kid, and you know, <laughs> that's it. And it's just like not. I, I'm telling you, for a long time, I felt all those things, and then I was like, wait a minute, you weren't dumb. And then you know, you know, through therapy, they're like, well, don't you learn all these lines? Don't you do this? Don't you? Do you think dumb people? That's what they could do. So you start to, so you don't honestly believe you're dumb back then or, or well, well, not now. I mean, you know, what do you, back then, what, all you're doing is comparing yourself to those around you, mm. right? Yeah. They're, you know, there were better athletes. There were smarter kids. There were, you know, you're, you're, I was never the smartest and I was never the best athlete. And so, you know, you don't think that you're anything special. 
That's the way of looking at it. Were your parents like, I love you, Clance. I love you. I'll always love you. I'm rooting for you. You're a smart kid. You're a great athlete. Or were they kind of like, eh, I don't give a shit. No, <laughs> you know, it was the seventies. My parents were busy with other stuff. You know, <laughs> they were busy with other things. They were, you know, my, my mom and dad always say to me, you are such a, such a better parent than we ever were. Why do they say that? Cause you're more attentive. You're more present. No, it's just, a, you know, it's just a different time. You know, they were, they were, we were in DC and my dad was in Congress and they had important stuff to do and think about. And, and they didn't, they didn't really pay that much attention to their kids. You know, it was a different time. You didn't have to, you didn't, you didn't have to be a helicopter parent back in the day. They were, you know, involved with the school and on the parent council and, you know, all that other crap. But, you know, they didn't really, they didn't really monitor me or anything. Right. But they were supportive, right? They said, Clancy, I'm proud of you. Yeah, they came to the shows and the games, you know. The shows. When yeah, was, they, yeah, when was the first show? When did you start, like, uh, I'm going to be an actor? When was that moment? Oh, well, I, I don't know. You know, I, after college, I just thought I'd give it a shot. You know, I always liked doing it. Um, and they supported you know, that. I did it. Yeah, yeah. They, I, you know, I did it in high school and college and stuff. They didn't come out to the college shows so much, but they did, you know, they came to the high school shows and all that stuff. I mean, yeah, well, they, were they like, at the end of a show, was your dad, uh, was he like, you know, Clancy, uh, you're a pretty damn good actor. That was pretty no. good. Nope, didn't get that. No, no, they were they were they were supportive. I mean, my dad <laughs> said my dad was particularly supportive. He just said, "Look, you know, uh, I I work hard to give my kids the opportunity to do whatever they want. So if you want to go try this, that's fine." That's nice, you though. That's... That was at, at, after college. My mom was not that way. She was like. You know, your your dad worked hard to give you, you know, this this opportunity of the family business or this opportunity to go into politics, and you're throwing it all away to go be an actor. And I was like, hey, that's not what dad said, right? Because there was a newspaper <laughs> in your family, like people they ran a newspaper. There was a congressman. Your dad was a your dad a congressman? Yeah, congressman. Yeah. So you had all these things, these aspirations as a congressman, run a newspaper, do it. I'm going to be an actor. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but you know what? It's what my dad said. He's like, you know, yeah, I. This is what I did. This is what I do. You know, I followed in my father's footsteps. My father, you know, my father says, you know, my father, my grandfather was a congressman and he ran newspapers and stuff. But he said, there's no reason why you have to do that. You know, you should go do what you want to do. That's why we. That's why, you know, parents. Parents do what they do is to give you the opportunity to do it. Now, I, you know, did he think it was going to work out? I'm sure he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, How could he? That's that's not something parents think is going to work out. You know, yeah, I, yeah. you know, I promised him that I would just try it for a few years and then, you know, go to grad school or whatever. Well, what was the first time that you're like, ah, I got him? They're they're really proud. I can tell they're proud. You did something. Something clicked where they're like, oh, he's successful. This is happening. I don't know. I think, you know, when they, it's with, with every parent is when your kid is praised, um, by someone else mm. to you, you know, like when somebody says, you know, you're, but I wasn't there for that. You know, when I hear that my daughter is a brilliant director, then I'm, I'm so proud of her. You know, that's, those are the, those are the great times. That's when I, that's when the worry goes away. I'm sure that's what happened with my folks is that, 
you know, one of their friends said, I saw your son in this and it was really good. Maybe Shawshank, maybe Shawshank. They thought that was it, but you know, I don't know. I was also getting married then. So that probably wasn't the first thing. I right, right, right. They, they wanted, <laughs> they wanted you to get married. That's what. It's uh, like, when are you going to get married? Yeah. When are you going to get married? Always. Why is that? My grandmother still, she's 92. She's like, when are you going to You'd be such a good dad? Why don't you want to do this? I'm like, first of all, you're 92. How long am I going to, am I, I going to have a kid for you so you can see him for two years? <laughs> you know, you're 92. I have to live with this woman for the rest of my life. I have to have this child and take care of it. And I go, well, my grandma told me to do it, but she's dead now. You should. You should have a child. You would be a good dad. <laughs> you change think? your life. How does it change your life? How does it change your life, honestly? Uh, it makes you, well, you know, okay, we're actors. So we spend a lot of time inside our own heads and, and worrying about, um, you know, uh, worrying about our auditions, worrying about our, our, how we present to the world and how we present to maybe a specific person or a specific thing. And, um, and suddenly you have to get out of that and you have to take care of something so that it doesn't die. You have to make sure something in your life doesn't die while you're while you're responsible for it. And so that just kind of changes your life there for a minute. You have to stop thinking about yourself. That's terrifying, too, at the same time. Yeah, sure it is. Sure it is. But, I mean, here's the other thing. Like, you know, less fortunate, less privileged, less, you know, less intelligent people have done it just fine. <laughs> for many generations, right? Is that what you kept telling you know, yourself? Less, less comfortable people have done have gotten by just fine. Inside of you is brought to you by Rocket Money. I love Rocket Money. You know why? Because everyone should have Rocket Money because it just helps you save money. How many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore, and we're paying so much money? It's just throwing away money, Ryan. I, I found one. You and you did it. You told I me I got Rocket Money. Okay, <laughs> I, I found one. It. I'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on, but thank you for finding it. <laughs> My God, it was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you want to watch some show and you go, I have to subscribe to this uh, this streaming dev- uh, whatever, mm-hmm. and you you start streaming the show, you watch it, you leave, and you forget after this trial period it kicks in and they're charging you 10 bucks a month it is embarrassing you know 75 percent of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about before i started using rocket money i thought i had you know like oh i have like five subscriptions i could not believe it when they showed me i was paying for like four extra uh between you know streaming advices and fitness apps delivery services it's never ending and thanks to rocket money i'm no longer wasting money on the ones i forgot about Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. I like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out. And it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And, I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp? When you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash inside i mean i envy people like you because i look at you and you you i'm sure you'll sit here and say you're you're wrong i'm not but you seem just together you've always been sort of like you don't really care about the limelight you don't you're kind of a private guy you're just you know you like acting you love your family and that's it is that is that pretty right on yeah yeah (laughs) i mean even again i mean that's pretty much it yeah yeah. I, I don't know. I think that you're just your whole disposition, the, the way you handle yourself, you can handle these things that come at you. But I wonder, my question is, in the beginning, did you feel that anxiety? Did you feel like, oh, my God, I'm, oh, my God, I have a kid. I have, what am I going to do? What am I, I going to, I'm going to fail. He's going to, it's going to be my fault. Did you ever go through any of that shit? Yeah. I mean, you know, with the kid, you get, yeah, you, you suddenly have to think about things you never had to think about before. You know, I mean, you, 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 you know, you suddenly have to think, you know, I, I got to keep a roof over this head. I got to make this mortgage. I mean, that's sort of when I started, uh, it's sort of when I started doing everything. The blessing was it's when I started doing voiceover, right? And that was just a revelation. That was so much fun. And so I'm so glad that that happened. Um, but I, you know, I did that kind of to stay in town, not that, not to solve any of my problems. I just did it because I wanted to, I didn't want to have to leave town to work, which is where I always had to go. But um, it was always, you know, I was always nervous about keeping the roof over the head and and doing that. And, you know, balancing that with being present, I wanted to be present as well. There was a period when I was like probably overcharging for my services that took a little while for me to realize that, wait a minute, they don't do that anymore. <laughs> They, they don't overpay for actors anymore. You're, you're, <laughs> yeah, it's, they certainly it's don't. Right when, right when the corporations decided that top of show is the minimum. Right. right? Yeah. So, and your quotes don't matter, and all the rest of that stuff. So I think I hit a, I think I hit a high quote right when my daughter was born, right after Shawshank. You know, and 
um, I think that was my highest quote. And then after that, it was, you know, a couple of years of not getting paid that and realizing, okay, I have to, I have to work. I have to work for less. You know, what was the, uh, you know, obviously people always come up to me and they're like, oh my God, Clancy Brown, when you guys switched, uh, switched minds. And the that great- was a good one. That was a good, the, yeah, that was a good one. The great brain robbery. That was a good episode. It wasn't. I never, I don't think I ever really worked with you. And all of a sudden you're sitting there with me and we're just going back and forth. And you're like, say your line. And then you'd say it like me, but in your what? You know what I mean? Oh, it was so fun. It was so fun. It was, I remember us laughing, going, what the, it was kind of confusing. It was in a, in a way, but it was really fun. And having yeah. Andrea Romano, who we both adore, right? Right. Directing us. Yeah. And, but you know how, how fun is that too, that they wrote it. And who wrote that one, by the way? Do you remember? I don't remember who, who wrote that one. Wasn't Bruce? I, I have to look what that great up. Great writers they had. Yeah, but they, you know how fun that they took those characters and decided to do that and let us do that. You know, we're looking for a way to knew that we would like it, knew that we could pull it off and and have so much fun doing it. Yeah, because I mean, they could have done it with anybody. They could have done it with any bad guy and any any superhero. But you know, I, I take that as a big compliment. It was the play. I was playing Lex Luthor on Smallville. You were the voice of Lex. I was voicing the Flash in the Justice League, and then right. we switch. Then we switch, and it was just it's all awesome. this. Yeah, it was. It was great. It was really great. <laughs> you know, you've worked with so many people. What's the most fun you've had besides obviously working with me? But like, like big actors. Like, what's the one guy actor? Like, wow, he's doing voiceovers too. Because a lot of big, big actors do them. Right. Uh, I've not found that like. Uh, that people that are well known for film and television that they're actually that good. I think the people, probably the people we had in Justice League, were the most versatile of that crew that like crossed that crossed platforms easily. You know, you and Lumley and uh, you know all Lamar, all those guys, yeah, Maria and all, Susan, you know, all yeah, and Georgia. Yeah. But I, what I've usually found with stunt casting is that they're not that good you know they're they're a little they're a little um intimidated by the technology intimidated by the process of it and they and they're not they're not good at it but you know what it is they don't <laughs> let go as they're much and they yeah, just they I, I, I think when you're when you're doing it when you i found that the more i just said fuck it and just let go and, and andrew said do another one like this you just do it don't worry about looking like an idiot just do it it's just the voice we just have to get something no matter how you get there and i i definitely could tell when i was working with bigger actors you know that they, they just hadn't done it and that wasn't their passion right. and you know they're like and so it was harder to get out of them you, you'd assume right. it's just yeah they're not used to doing it. that's really what it is not that they're not good at it it's just that they're not familiar with doing it. the guy that i that that was really good at it from the get-go was a guy that I got in to SpongeBob, uh, Dennis Quaid, and I had just worked with Dennis on uh, uh, on a movie. I can't remember which one. Not Dreamscape. No, 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 no. I'd worked with him on uh, I'd worked with him on a couple of things. There was one called The Express, and one called uh, 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 At Any Price. It must have been after The Express. And I, I said to uh, I said to I think it was Andrea that was actually doing SpongeBob at that point. And I said to Andrea, I said we got to get got to get uh, Dennis in here because all he does is his version of Mr. Krabs all the time. All he's do he just he just loves to 
you know, be Mr. Grabs in front of me. And we, you know, so wait a minute. Dennis like Quaid that. impersonates you from Shawshank. No, no. He impersonates me doing Mr. Krabs. Oh, Mr. Krabs. Right, right, right. So right. is he dead on? Uh, no, he sounds like Dennis doing Mr. Krabs. <laughs> so they thought up, they thought up the, the, uh, the episode, uh, uh, Grandpappy the Pirate. And so Mr. Krabs' grandpappy was coming into town and, and he had to, and Mr. Krabs had to put on a show that he was a pirate, that, you know, the Krusty Krab was actually a pirate ship and not a, you know, he was following in his, his footsteps. And, and and so he put on this fake show and, they, and the boys were my crew and all the rest of that stuff. And Dennis came in and just knocked it out of the park, man. He was having so much fun. And he brought in his son, and he was just like, hey, 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 all over the place. Wow. He, he came in and nailed it. He was, he's, he's a pretty free spirit. That Do you still talk gets, to Dennis? He gets going. Uh, not as much as I'd like to. I like him so much. He's a good guy. You? Do you I, know him? I, I don't know him. I, I've never met him, uh, but I've always loved him. I've always loved his work. It was like him and Michael Keaton dude. in the 80s. I love those guys. They just had an energy to him, you know what I mean? Yeah, now he's doing that commercial now. The, yeah, I just don't get it. But you know what? I'm sure it's commercial. It's just odd. It's just odd. I just Dennis Quaid. Yeah, it's just it's it's like that. Uh, and look, I look, I respect people who want to make money. They get to do whatever. It was just an odd commercial. You know, it's like that one. Uh, what's his name? Um, with the uh, Tom Selleck. It's it's it, it, I, I don't care. It's a, he's humble, but it's five minutes long. <laughs> well, that one's a little long. I yeah. change the channel. Yeah. I come back after lunch. It's still going on. <laughs> I don't know what the hell it is, it's but an you know, infomercial. yeah, it's an info. Yeah, but why do we, how do they hear infomercials all day? You got to get that money out of the old people. We got to. We got to. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, got to get money out of old people. Do you think you'll be uh, the kind of actor? Do you feel like you you are you one that just loves acting so much that you'll work until you die, or you'll retire one day and say fuck it, I'm done? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll retire one day. Yeah, you just won't want to do anything. No, I mean you know, but we got this voiceover gig, man. We can we can we can always we can always do something. You know, obviously you just did this movie, Mortuary Collection, collection, the Mortuary yeah. Collection. Now look, I love horror movies. Okay, I'm a big horror movie fanatic. And this is a poster. You're the cover. You're the guy. You're the mortuary collector. Me and Caitlin, yeah. Right, you and I'm Caitlin. I'm the mortician. You're the mortician. <laughs> now, look, I love, I love horror movies. And right now, I mean, I mean, look, I, I probably watch one a day. I have, I have Shudder, Shudder account, which, oh, good. which yeah, mortuary good. collection. It premieres on Shudder. And by the way, I, yes, it premieres on Shutter, and I love Shutter just because it's five ninety nine a month, and I have just a thousand movies to choose from. Of course, right. I'm going to choose the Mortuary Collection. By the yeah, way, it, sure. yeah, and uh, Spindell, Ryan Spindell directed it. Yeah, you're going to love it. I mean, it's, I already uh, saw. I, I I already watched it. Oh, did you see? They it? sent me oh, a link. I love the way it's shot. I love the creepiness of all. I love those angles, and I love the end, the twist. Look, I don't want to give anything away, but like, I just love how they usually these write ups, these log lines are usually shit. But this is a good log line. Usually it's like, okay, two brothers kill their parents. Okay, well, he told the story. <laughs> this is on the cusp of retirement. An eccentric mortician recounts several of the strangest stories he's encountered in his long career. Things take a turn for the phantasmagorical when he learns that the final story is his own. Mortuary collection. And it's not completely accurate. <laughs> well, you know, but it's retirement? pretty. Is it retirement? Is well, uh, is, that what, is that what happens? Well, the there's the twist. There's the you find out that it's not really as retirement as I, I don't want to give it away. Fate. Let's say fate. No, right. Right. 
but uh, it's a good. It's a good. Ryan is. Ryan is. Um, you know, he's a he's a born storyteller. He's uh, and he loves the medium, and he's he knows his way around a set and a camera, and uh, you know, he's he's a talent. He's a real real talent. I compare him to like young Spielberg, young J.J. Abrams. He's like in that in that mold where he's, yeah. you know, he knows. Well, it creates a, good, a world, a unique world, an inviting yeah. kind of scary world, like a fun, yeah, scary. You can like think it up and put it on screen and whatever problem comes up, he can, he can work around and solve the, the, and make it conform to his vision. And his vision is terrific. His vision is real specific and real detailed. And, and uh, you know, he took, it took two years to make that thing. And longer than that, if you count the short that he did before, which is called The Babysitter Murder. Right. Uh, which was the kind of the proof of concept thing that he, that he made. And so it's, you know, I guess you could say it's been seven years. Everybody has these long periods, but he said, look, you know, we, we couldn't make it quickly for the amount of money that they wanted to do it. What we had to do was make it, we had to make it well, slowly, you know, we had right. to do it. We had to do it the way we wanted to do it, but that meant we had to take our time, you know, and they had to stretch the dollars through the, through this two year period. And so, you know, he's, he's good at it. And he doesn't, he didn't compromise that much. You know, he, he, or he knew where to compromise that it wouldn't, that it wouldn't look bad. Yeah. It's, a, it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous. It really is. I was surprised by uh, how beautiful. well it looked. This is right. it just it is it's cinematic. It's absolutely cinematic when you yeah. watch it. And the angles on your face, I'm like thinking of all the prosthetics. Like what the hell was he did they CGI his face? Because it looks it was it was practicals, right? It was prosthetics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many hours were you in yeah. the makeup trailer? Not not too many. I mean, we had we had one uh Mo Meinhart was the was the key there she it was it was about three hours i would say and it would have been faster if she if she had a partner and every now and then we could there was another uh uh, makeup artist that would assist her but that makeup artist was also responsible for everybody else so you know a lot of times it was just most so like you know it would range from like two and a half to three and a half hours you got cranky come on admit it you'd get cranky you had to have no, done it. not with no. I didn't. Not with her. Not at all. <laughs> not with her. I you know, yeah, after no. th- after three hours in the no, makeup. You, you look her up on IMDb. She's gorgeous. She's she's beautiful. She's funny, and we you know we you know we we I I know the drill, and she knows the drill. And Are you trying to hook me up with your like, makeup artist? Is that what you're trying to do? Yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> hey, let me there ask you. Go. Look, I mean, you do so many fun things. I look at all the projects with the animation. You got a happy family. I mean, you could be lying. It could be miserable there. It could be just like hell at your house. But, you know, life's good for you. You're not old. You're 61. You make it sound like you're old. You're not. You're not. I'll tell you right now. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> Dude, but you also like have legendary roles like Highlander, which I know you talk about ad nauseum and like Starship Troopers and like. I mean, these movies, when you do them, I mean, obviously, when you're working with Sean Connery and Highlander, you're like, Sean Connery is in this going to be a big movie, right? You thought that. Yeah, that movie is a complete accident. I don't know if you, I don't know, if you know anything about that movie. I don't. But the guy, the, the guy that wrote it, Greg Wyden, 
he was a he was a college kid. He was I think he was an undergrad, uh, you know, the USC or UCLA or wherever the hell he was. And that was his. He wrote this script as his final for some cinema script writing class that he did. And uh, and then these uh, these these buzzards, these scavengers uh, that were the producers, as these two guys, who's I won't mention their names. They they sort of like picked over they sort of pick over these things and they go in and they snag a script that's you know maybe won an award or or you know got an a or whatever it is and they and they pay the guy you know five hundred dollars here's five hundred dollars for your script yeah, yeah. and then they and then they go and they pitch it to the wherever they had the deal and uh and i think they said they would pay you know they paid him a couple thousand bucks and a portion of the of the budget if if uh you know a percentage of the budget if it gets if it gets made if it gets picked up and made and this became so Highlander. Picked, yeah and they're and they're low budget guys so they you know they're thinking they're going to pay them maybe another 10 grand or something so then uh they as these producers do they just go out to big stars anyway you know they expecting to get turned down and so they went to they went to Sean Connery and said, hey, we want you to play the Highlander. I don't even think they even read the script. They just said, you know, Highlander. Uh, that's a Scottishman. So let's go to the big Scottish uh, uh, Scott movie star. So they sent it to him and they said, no. He said, no, I'm not interested in doing that. But I would be interested in playing Ramirez. And so suddenly they had interest from Sean Connery and the budget goes up. And then they said, well, if we can get him to play Ramirez, let's let's go get, you know, let's get somebody to, who are we going to get to play the Highlander? And then, you know, they start casting around and somebody says, well, you know, you should send it out to this, uh, this young French actor who just won the Cesar for his role in Subway. And, you know, he's, he's a, he's a big European star. So they sent it out to Christoph and he said, Oh, Sean Connery's in it. I'll do it. So it's so then they had the big European star, the biggest European star at the time. At the time. So uh, the budget goes up. Depart. The budget goes up again. And so then they go out to uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger because he had just done uh, uh, Terminator. And they said, oh, we're going to get Arnold Schwarzenegger and the budget's going to go up again. And Arnold Schwarzenegger said, nah, I, I, I don't want to play a bad guy again. <laughs> I don't want to play a bad guy. I want to play... So the budget goes down. <laughs> they're like, oh no, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And uh, the director, they got uh, they got a director out of Australia who had basically made his bones doing music videos named Russell Mulcahy, although he had directed a really terrific uh, horror uh, movie called Razorback, which is kind of like Jaws in the Outback um, <laughs> in, uh, in Australia. And they got him for probably not much money, uh, but he's a really talented guy. And, uh, and so Russell was like hanging out with his music video friends and he talks to, he, he was talking to Sting and they're like, yeah, we, you know, Russell said, yeah, we went out to, I don't know who we're going to get. We went out to Schwarzenegger. He turned it down and Sting said, well, I just work with this big, uh, this big American bloke named Clancy Brown on this movie called The Bride. You know, he's, he seems like a pretty good actor. He seems like a pretty good guy. Why don't you check out him? So I met with the, he calls up the producer said, check out this other guy, this Clancy Brown guy. And I met with those guys. I'm like, I, I think it's a great story. I would, yeah, I would love to play it. But you know, how much are you going to pay me? And they don't pay me. They don't want to pay me anything. And I don't have a quote or anything, but 
much of anything. So they pay me nothing. And they're thrilled because they pay me nothing. They get their, they get their movie made and we go and we make the movie and Greg is, you know, he's this kid out of college who wrote this thing and suddenly he's a millionaire because he gets a percentage of a, of a, of a real budget and, and his career is launched. Right after that. So this random act of, yeah, we'll give you a couple thousand dollars. Second choice. If the budget goes up, you'll get a percentage. It's one in a million. It's like winning the lottery. You're most likely it's never going to get made. You're going to make zero money, and the guy becomes a millionaire, takes his career off. Right. There's a bunch of people that won the lottery. They paid Sean a, a ton of dough, and you know, the, I think it made Kristoff a, a big star, and uh, and he got a lot of money. Off. I got nothing. I got I got no money. Off. Or residuals. <laughs> you got residuals. Yeah. No. No. Didn't get residuals because it was under a BAFTA contract. Oh my god. And you're like a major character. I mean, come on. Yeah. Oh, those son of a bees. That's okay. I mean, you know, it was it was fun to do. I didn't want to do any more after that anyway. So, you know, those producers were not fun to work for. Yeah, it sounds like you went through hell. You probably did that stunt at the end when you fell ten stories. They probably made you do that for nothing. Yeah, they put me in the rig and did a fan descender. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, real quick. I made some good friends. Made some good friends though. Yeah. Who's your closest uh celebrity friend? Who's your like the one friend that you still because you you have one guy you who happens Michael? It's me. You're my best celebrity friend. <laughs> I bet you don't hang out with a lot of celebrities. No, I don't. I don't really know any celebrities. You never hung out with Tim Robbins or Morgan Freeman after Shawshank? You never no, hung out I'm always with always happy to see them. I don't think Morgan recognizes me anymore, but uh yeah, always happy to see Tim. I saw Tim recently. Uh, his son had done a, a film. And it was at uh, Austin, some Austin Film Festival. I saw him. So it was good to see him. He's he's. I play guy. I play ice he's hockey with him. At, he's always down at Actors Gang. Got some always doing something down there at that theater. He's really sweet. He's just so soft spoken. Has he always been so soft spoken? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's just yeah. this guy, you know. Just uh, hey, man, how you doing? It's all right. <laughs> All right, hey, this has been incredible, and I hope you had fun. This is real quick. My patrons who are, are amazing, they support the podcast. It's called Shit Talking with Clancy Brown. This is rapid fire, so you just answer them. Steph A, is there a character you've always wanted to voice but never got the chance to voice? Ah, but, yeah. A character that I've always wanted to voice. I don't know. The next one? I don't know. I don't know. There's got to be a character we're not thinking of. What if there was a character like they're doing a Shining video game and they want Jack Nicholson voice but someone to play Jack there Nicholson? There you go. Yeah. This is another question. Emily asks, what's been your favorite role to perform? I'm guessing you're going to say all of them. Come no, on. not all of them. Not all of them. Uh, I, I, really liked, I really liked this Montgomery Dark guy. Montgomery Dark, Mortuary he's, Collector. He's, uh, yeah, the Mortuary Collection. He is, he's, a, he's a fun, fun character. He's a fun dude. Yeah, you uh, chomped up, uh, ate some scenery, <laughs> yeah. let's just say. Yeah, we were... Go just like certain looks at the door when you're looking out there and the angles and then the your <laughs> eyes as the door is closing just shit like that i was like oh yeah he's yeah. enjoying this man it's fine yeah chewing it up danny amazing guest loves clancy brown any stories from buckaroo bonsai did he realize it was going to be one of the all-time great cult films um no didn't realize it was going to be an all-time great cult film but it is kind of the bar for me. It's like it, it was maybe my it was my first movie. I think it might have been my first movie after I moved out to Los Angeles, and 
and I read the script and I had no idea what was going on, but it was so much fun to read. Uh, the, the, the whole, the whole time of that shoot, I was just laughing and giggling and just, you know, I, I got this imposter complex anyway. And there I am with, you know, Goldblum and, 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 uh, Peter and, and, Lithgow and all these guys. So I'm, you know, I just, the luckiest guy on earth. I think, what am I doing here? I have no idea. Pepe Serna for crying out loud. You know, what am I doing here? And uh, my favorite moment of that was we're shooting a scene in a bus and Peter and Ellen Barkin are having this intense conversation in the front and all the Hong Kong Cavaliers are kind of in the back of the bus. And, um, Jeff kind of leans out in the middle in the into the aisle and he looks at me and he goes, come here, just, just watch me doing this the whole time. And he leans out into the aisle and he's doing this little rope trick and rawhide is just, is my character is just like completely focused on this rope trick that he's doing. And he starts doing that. And finally Richter, the director says, Jeff, stop doing that. Clancy, stop doing that. And he says, what, what? We're just, we're just, you know, livening up the background here. We're just, we're just showing, you know, just having a, you know, character life. You, know? <laughs> you sound like a <laughs> And he says, you're pulling too much focus. And he just like looks at me and winks. And he goes, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Jeff was the king of pulling focus and with no effort at all. He pulls all the focus. And uh. It was the start of a great friendship between him and Peter and stuff. And, but I've always gotten a big kick out of it. That's uh, awesome. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff and I used to do this routine. He, he picked on me because I was so dumb. He, he or, or included me because I was so dumb. He would say, uh, he would say, um, just uh, I'm going to go up to the, the the prop master and I'm going to ask him a question. Then I'm going to turn to you and I'm going to say a bunch of nonsense. But before I say nonsense, I'm going to say maha, and then you say yaha, and then and then I'll say a bunch of nonsense and you repeat that nonsense back to me, and then I'll talk. So I had no idea what he was doing, but what, of course, anybody that knows anything is that Mahayaha is the, is the three stooges, uh, routine that Mo and uh, Curly, Curly did after Curly had his stroke. He would say, he would, he would say, he would ask a question of somebody of Larry or whatever. And he would turn to Curly and say, Maha and Ma and Curly stroked out curly would go yaha <laughs> and, and he would go back because he was shy and and curly would go shy and then he would turn back and he would answer the question for somebody else oh and we did God. this routine all throughout the shoot and it was only at the end that i realized that it was a three stooges routine <laughs> Goldblum was Goldblum is such a blast to work see with everybody the, the thing it's amazing because i always i I had so much fun. I did this one movie and it bombed. It became sort of a cult and it was the most fun I ever had on in movie. Like that's what right. I always wanted to do. So those, those are the moments where it's just like, you're enjoying, you're like, this is why I'm here. And it'd be icing on the cake. If it was uh, if it was a hit, but it wasn't Maya P says, are there any roles you've done that you wish had gone longer or hope to play again one day? Uh, that one, the Buckaroo Banzai for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, that one and maybe this we'll see maybe Montgomery Dark we'll see if that even happens I'm not sure I but, could see it's a cool uh, anthology it can keep going you know it could right, go it could, it could go to right, the past yeah. you know hey let me ask you this are you still doing the Flash the series no no that, I haven't done that in a while 
When was the last time you did that? A couple of years ago. I think it was the Gorilla Grad. Uh, when Gorilla Grad took over Eileen. And I hadn't done it since. Did you like it? Did you like your experience in The Flash? Yeah, it was, it, it, you know, that was an interesting thing. When I first did it, it hadn't aired yet. And so it wasn't kind of, a, it wasn't anything yet. And everybody was, you know, working hard and re- really nervous and all the rest of that stuff. And then when I went up and did it again, it had aired and it was a big hit. And, you know, suddenly everybody was sort of more into their social media and their and their appointments and all the rest of that stuff. And so, yeah, it wasn't as much fun. It was, it was a different set. Success makes it a different place. You know, it was a different vibe to it. Yeah. It's still a good show. I think it's still a good show, but yeah, it was a different vibe. You know, I had, you know, you had to, it had to be more enjoyable to work in the, you know, seventies, eighties, even the nineties before all the phones and everything, not to sound age us, but like, there's a certain simplicity and also uh, an, it was more intimate where you didn't have anything to do but be together and talk and experience life together. I think that now everybody's so distracted. Do, do, you, do you feel that when you're on sets today where it's not as present, people aren't present, people aren't, it's not as fun? Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I go, it's different, you know, for sure. Um, you know, uh, DQ used to talk about, Dennis used to, say you know we had so much fun on uh on long riders we are all hanging out together and it's just you know nobody hangs out anymore uh we were talking about this as we were hanging out in some bar you know (laughs) 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 we were actually socializing right but uh you know lamenting that a couple of old guys going hey nobody's friendly anymore nobody hangs out anymore (laughs) you know but uh uh so I guess I guess that's something, but it's just it's just different now. You know, people people go to their their caves a little quicker. But, right. You know, we we also we also socialize. You know, I did this uh, a season of this thing called Emergence last year, and we, we hung out. You know, Allison Tolman and 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 everybody. We sort of we sort of palled around a bit. I love it. Well, hey, this has been awesome. Did you have fun? Yeah, did you have fun? Yeah, man. You're easy to talk to. You like my turtle? I love I like the turtle. turtle. Where? How long have you had the turtle curtain? I don't know. They're not making them anymore. It's from this uh, uh, woolen mill called Faribault Woolen Mills, and they would have these. They had this uh, Native American uh, collection that they would do, and that's from that. I love that. I love that thing. All right, dude. Much yeah, love. I, yeah, I love I'm this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to harass you because we're going to hang out when this is over. All right. Fair enough. All right. <laughs> I'll see you later. Thanks again, man. All right. Thanks, pal. He's just a family guy. He's a private guy, and it was hard to get him in the studio. Well, he didn't come in the studio. We Zoomed. But it was hard to get him to Zoom. Yeah. And uh, it, just uh, hearing those stories when he's like, they're going to fire me. I think they got the wrong guy for uh, Shawshank Redemption and things like that. And it's uh, how I always feel like, oh, they're going to hear me in the table. They're going to fire me. Oops, I'm not fired yet. They're going to watch me and I'm ugly and they're going to, you mm-hmm. always think these things. And he thought that the entire way through the, the shooting of the movie. And he's working with these geniuses. I, I like, I like that he got married the day after that rooftop scene. I thought that was a fun oh, story. Oh yeah. After he was so mean to our was, friend, Tim Robbins. He was so mean. He almost threw him off a roof. And then the next day he exchanged vows with the love of his life. Oh man. I remember the first day when Andy came into Shawshank. <laughs> well, I, I think I let me, let me try to get it. I remember the first day. Andy Dufresne came into Shawshank. Was that better? I'm going to close my eyes and not look at you. Let me see here. 
I remember the first day when Andy Dufresne came into Shawshank. That's good. Not bad? That's pretty good. Okay. Third try was a little better. You guys let me know what you think, please. So uh, I hope you enjoyed the episode. That was for you. Um, and uh, again, make sure you subscribe, write a review. And now it is time before we go to read off the patrons. Top patrons. Here we go. Ryan, I'm not going to ask you. I'm not going to put you on the spot because, you know, I'm a little brain dead after these holidays. I appreciate it. Me I'm, too. I'm foggy. Here we go. Nancy D, Leah S, Trisha F, Sarah V, Little Lisa, Yukiko, Jill E, Brian H, Lauren G, Nico P, Robin S, Jerry W, Emily K, Robert I, Jason W, Stephen J, Kristen K, Amelia O, Allison L, Jess J, Lucas M, Raj C, Joshua D, Emily S, CJP, Samantha M, Jennifer N, Jackie P, Stacy L, Carly H, Jennifer S, Janelle B, Carrie B. I feel really tired today. Tabitha 272, not to be confused with. Tabitha 273. Ashley Ryan, Kimberly E, Crystal H, Mike E, Marissa, and Jack S. <laughs> it's Jack S. It's Jack Slate. It's Slater. Ramira, Beth B, Santiago M, Sarah F, Chad W, Leanne P, Roshan. Ray A, Maya P, Maddie S, Tiffany I, Kendrick F, Ashley E, Margie M, Shannon D, Matt W, Belinda N, Kevin V, James R, Chris H, Anusha W, Osborne H, Osborne H, Gabby M, Amy C, Amy C, Amy C, easy as it, <laughs> sorry, Dave H, Samantha S, Spider-Man, Chase, that's correct, Sheila G-E-G. G, correct. Ray H, Alyssa C, Tab of the T, Misha H, Deb A. Deb A. Deb A. What's up, Deb A? Tom N, Natalie 622, not to be confused with. Natalie 623. Correct. Allie B, Suzanne B, Henry S, Katie F, Daniela V, Liliana A, Joseph C, Michelle K, Maddie Wags, Marcus W, Hannah B, Michael S, Luke H, John S, and Rob D. A lot of patrons couldn't do it without you. Love you. Stay with me. Don't go anywhere. I need you. I need you. Like the winter needs the spring. Like the summer needs the rain. I need you. Um, it's all started on the game. You know that's America. That's one of my my dad loves America. We play that song. It's one of the first songs he ever I, taught me on guitar. That's that's what <laughs> I need you. Like the wind. Oh, let's let's go. I need you. Like the winter needs the. What does it start out with? Winter we, needs the spring. We used to laugh. We, we used, used to cry. We used to bow our heads and wonder why. Now you're gone. I guess I'll carry on. I know what the chords are better than I know what the words are. You got to teach me that song. All right, we're embarrassing ourselves. Or I'm embarrassing myself. <laughs> anyway, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for a great year, even though it's been a hard year, but we got through it. We're getting through it. We have a glorious year coming to us. Stay with it. Not just with this podcast. Stay with it. Game plan is to always find the good in life. And uh, no matter how bad it gets, there's going to be a light. There's going to be fun moments. There's going to be a good time. You just have to keep pushing, pushing, man. I love you all. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Thank you for allowing me to be inside of you. <laughs> 
Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did. And they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.